0: Hey there, and welcome to another stunning edition of Inspire AD. I am joined by Justin Bissonette. My name is Max Meehan. We are Inspire AD, and we are reconvening to discuss the further events of forever and ever and ever the first card that occurred. At our second ever venue, our second home, if you will, the Red Oak Ballroom. Last episode, we went through uh, a lot of concerns. The rest of the circus had just emerged. Uh, I almost got into a fistfight with the photographer. <laughs> um, there was a nacho bar. Yeah. Man, it was, I mean, you
1: know, it was eventful. It was shit, like, right? I got my popcorn. They were out of Mike and Ike's. Uh, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, I think at this point, um,
0: in the card, we hit intermission. Yep. And boy, dude, they get fucking myrtleized at the bar. <laughs> you have fucking Estelle, <laughs> you have fucking Estelle Getty and her boyfriend out there, like working through arthritis <laughs> oh to God. try and serve so the glut of people. And they're just, dude, you can see that they're just getting their asses yeah. handed to them. And I'm just being, and the line is ridiculous. People are like walking off, but also like they're serving like eight dollar heinekens and shit (laughs) and i'm just like man this Uh, is not this you guys are gonna alienate the folks here yeah um they did have food options which were also terrible i believe in (laughs) spite of the fact that uh in spite of the fact that they they had like these like you know these people who as they were like popping beers you could hear the fucking mummy dust grinding through their hearts like they still managed to like virtually sell out of everything yeah but Afterward, we got a lot of feedback about just how slow the service was and also just the prices, the options. People were pissed, and it was a bad foot to get off on, but we we tried to make right on it by the next show. Still, though, it was a struggle, but it was like one of the bad earmarks of this venue. Yeah. In spite of the fact that it was centrally located, uh, we're still in the heart of Austin. We're surrounded by a lot of great businesses, which give people options like, hey, you want to show up early go over to Terra Toys or go to Dragon's Lair or go get some pizza? You can do that. That's what was beautiful about the spot. And also the parking lot. My God, there was a big (sighs) bunch of parking Remember Greg Simons who showed up in his goddamn RV because he is that badass. He was living out of his <laughs> truck, was. I believe. He was
1: living out of RV. Yeah, he was living out of Parches RV. Parked his RV in the back. Yeah,
0: man, fucking Greg Simons. Yeah, parked his <sighs> RV in the back and and just kind of like you know stayed the night, camped out, and you know got up in the morning with his cup of coffee with his bathrobe open. You know, Merry Christmas. The shitters full. Stuff. <laughs> it was great. It was it was it was a great spot, great location. Yeah. The dude who initially was managing the space was great. He tried very hard to accommodate us. There were a lot of things that we liked about the building. It looked pretty good on camera, I think, in spite of the fact that it, it was, looked awesome. Yeah, on camera. I mean, you know, yeah. it's it, it is a brighter space than yeah. what we were used to at Marquesa Hall and Theater. Anyway, we come back from intermission, and I get to talk about something that just frustrates the ever living fuck out of me. Um, so we've talked about Mike Dill in the past and how he is. Most comfortable doing a certain style of wrestling and working with very specific people—people people he's comfortable with, people he knows he can deliver with. Right? I think that Bis may have a different take on my opinion on Mike. I think he kind of likes to work in his in his groove, and I don't think he likes going out of his comfort zone. That's not to say that he cannot do great things when he's out of it, because that's what's so frustrating about this. He can do great fucking things when he's out of his comp- when he when he's pushed to be outside of the box. So. Um, if there's anything you want to say about this match, I'm, I'm going to let you take the lead, but then we're going to talk about what, what was supposed to happen here because what was supposed to happen didn't fucking happen because I think there was just pushback, but also just yeah. things were not executed. Now, like I I'm going to let, be. I'm
1: gonna let you ride on this one. I don't have a whole lot to comment. It was, it was what this match is. It was a Houston Carson Dell match.
0: Yeah. So it's Houston Carson versus Mike Dell. It is a classic Texas matchup. It is a good match. Yeah. Um, and it ends with a double count out now, initially, what I really wanted to have happen here was I wanted to have these two guys who are just so out of control, just beating the hell out of each other. It's like epic. It's like two gods at war. I wanted these guys to just be murdering each other, and they're you know they they the ref gets in the way, they toss them out 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 of the out of the ring, and there was just supposed to be this moment where um people intersect and come in and they try to, like, go after them to keep them down. Yeah. This was the pitch. This was initially pitched as being the Lumberjack match. I didn't want one match and then another one that was yeah. up being Lumberjack. This got kind of dragged out. Yeah. This was initially supposed to be the match that had Lumberjacks in it. And what was going to happen is the Lumberjacks would eventually just, you know, the guys the guys would just be brawling out of the ring and even though there were Lumberjacks there, Mike and... Mike and Carson would wind up potatoing the lumberjacks or just beating the crap out of them. And so what eventually happens is Mike and, and Carson are ganged up on thrown in the ring, beat up on everybody's like hitting their finishers on them and they're left in the ring. And then all the lumberjacks kind of go away. Right? Yeah. This is classic slasher film booking here. (laughs) So what's supposed to happen is, um, Mike and, and, and Carson come back as a unit and begin basically taking out every one of the Lumberjacks uh, on the card. They, would pop up, they were supposed to pop up at various intervals on every card and just crucify somebody, and they would just be this two-man army. I think I even wanted to call them two-man army or something like that. And I was convinced to kind of drag it out, and we would do the Lumberjack payoff at the next card, but that doesn't go quite how I wanted it to either. Yeah. Um, but this match is good. I wish we could have just kind of cut to the chase and started doing the cool fucked up fun shit. <laughs> but we didn't get to do that. Um and this is I think where I start to really just feel the frustration. Yeah. I think I'm thinking like, well, you know yeah. hopefully we get to the next the next part and it plays out like I want it to.
1: Yeah. It it seems like there's a series of that. We get we get something close to that, but we never get what the actual original plan was. Yeah. But let's get into something that fucking Went exactly to plan. Uh,
0: oh, yeah. This, I think <clears throat> on paper, this is what we wanted. And this the, is really what we wanted.
1: And this and, is, uh, this is one of the better matches in our company's history. Like yeah. this, still to this day, is mind blowing, um, to watch back. Yeah. So this is the, this is the, the money match. This is the drawing match of the card as you look at it. This is where the names are at. Um, so we knew that, um, We knew that we had to bring in at least a name, but we also knew there'd be interest in us coming back. So uh, Matt Cross is somebody that has some history in the city of Austin and some draw to it and had been interested in our run and coming in. And we had had some near misses of booking him. So this was really a chance for us to reach out and and grab Matt Cross. And there was nobody that made more sense to put Matt Cross in the ring in than Sammy Guevara. But at the same time, um, our connection with Chikara, uh, Lince Dorado had reached out to us while he was in Florida, really wanted to come in. And this was the time when he was, um, he had just been announced for the Cruiserweight Classic. So,
0: in WWE. Yeah.
1: And so he, I think he had actually signed two days before yeah. the show. So we were one of his last dates. So usually we would spread this out throughout the card. Uh but this was kind of a deal where we just said, you know what, we're gonna put it all in one match and just have this phenomenal banger of a match and that's what we ended up with. Um <clears throat> so uh Sammy Guevara goes over Matt Cross and Lindsay Doraldo. Uh do you wanna get into some more of Matt's history here in Austin?
0: Matt's Matt at the time Matt's uh sister Actually lived here, and I I had known her for quite some time through my uh, adventures at my club, and so when I found out that that she uh, that she she was like siblings <laughs> with him, it kind of blew my mind. Yeah. She was like I, you know, she we had gotten to talking, and she's like, yeah you know what do you what else do you do i'm like oh I, I run a wrestling company and she's like oh my brother's a wrestler and i'm thinking oh really you know because like <laughs> yes. you run you run you run into people who typically go oh i know a guy who wrestles and, yeah. it's, and it's usually just some you know fat guy in his <laughs> fucking garage or something yeah. you know
1: or you know who he is and you're like uh, uh, i don't know if i'd call that wrestling yeah, but yeah
0: yeah but um no and she's like oh he's matt cross and i'm like holy, <laughs> holy shit <fuck>. yeah <laughs> Um, and I think it was actually the impetus for us, like, kind of getting in touch with him, too, was a big part yeah. that was uh, really the idea that he could come down, hang out with his sister and, and get, you know, do a show. And, yeah. you know, and I, I, I really fell in love with Matt. I really fell yeah. in love with that guy. He is a fantastic, friendly guy. Yeah. Um, and he has a good head on his shoulders. And he's a lot of fun to hang out with. At the time, too, I I was like, he's, he's not a, he's not a drinker. He's straight edge and, uh, and he's also got like a a punk rock background. He's into hardcore punk. Me being, you know, into hardcore punk, we kind of hit it off. Uh, I kind of abstained from drinking that weekend just because I respected him. And I just, you know, he, I I actually hosted him, I believe.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. We also learned that we have a deep affinity toward films that feature skinheads getting the shit kicked out of them. (laughs) Like we, I think we watched the green room and, uh, yeah, we wash the green room and drink water in my house. And that was that was, the, that was the fucking party, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. That's behind this that's 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 this that's equivalent of the rock of, star lifestyle, baby. Yeah, that's our equivalent of the dirt, brother. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, that this match was everything. I think this was um we I think I had a disagreement with you and TJ about this match. Maybe. Definitely. Maybe. Um because
1: Initially, Did I want to stretch it out?
0: I think I think both of you thought that the pieces should be kind of split up. Yeah. And I thought, no, fuck it, overkill, let's go crazy. Yeah. I said that nothing is going to be more bonkers than this. Yeah. This is going to put eyes on this shit. And also it's going to get Sammy noticed more. And uh, I thought it was important. I think the initial desire was to just do something with Lindsay and Matt. And yeah. then there was an idea to just do Sammy and Matt. But to me... The sexiest thing you, we could do was to put all three of them in the ring at the same time and just let them go bonkers. Yeah, and it, I think it also was a little, you know, it made it just made it, it. It the guy, the guys also really seemed to enjoy the match themselves. Like I remember when I went back, back there, they were just glowing.
1: They were, yeah, they were super. I mean, the match was great.
0: But we also <laughs> have to get into how this ends.
1: Yes, that's very important.
0: Um, this is also one of those weird intersecting moments where you can tell people kind of want to cheer Sammy. You know, yeah. he's a phenomenal athlete. He's great in the ring. He's really exciting to watch. He's dynamic, um, but there's also something excruciatingly hateable about the guy that he's really cultivated. But in spite of that, when someone's really good, you want to like them. You want to cheer for them. And we were kind of teasing the sympathetic Sammy angle here, and you get to do some stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah,
1: it's. Watching it back, um, it's really, it's a good little piece of business. But the the first part is that when they go to do the common indie wrestling handshake spot. Um, and this is great. I love this. Uh, Sammy tells him, no, fuck you. I don't care if you're a name and you're putting me over. It's my fucking ring. I'm the Get best. Out. Get out of my fucking Get ring. Get out
0: of my fucking ring. Which actually got him a pop. Yes. He got a pop for that. Nobody booed him, really. Yeah. They were well, like.
1: I mean, at this point, every fucking match is. Thank you for, the, you know, you're such a great... You know, it's the same it thing, right? Nobody's got any balls, man. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and that's what makes wrestling great. That's why people love Shawn Michaels in the 90s, right? Like, Shawn Michaels was a prick, <laughs> like, you know? um And, like, you know, underdogs are great, but, like, you, you also want to see someone that thinks that their shit doesn't stink. That's the reason Conor McGregor sells more pay-per-views than fucking anybody. Best worker in the fucking world, but, you know... Um, I digress. It's fucking Sammy's amazing. Um, I'm going to put myself over here since whenever I do this stuff, everyone thinks that's what I'm doing anyway.
0: Might as well. So you do, you, you I do some have, great work here. This is a great moment.
1: I have a very good talent. I could not talk somebody into watching me fight someone, but I can damn sure talk people into watching other people fight each other. Like I have a very good talent for that. Now, if you hear if if I were to hear my voice and I were to look at me as a person, I wouldn't think that. Like it, it doesn't, but I it's something I've developed. It's the part of wrestling I love the most. So I do a promo with Sammy here, and the last time me and Sammy are the ringers when he jumps me from behind. Um and there's um I don't I don't know what the fuck I listened to, but there's certain matches in Japan that um big time matches where you know people will point out that the the opponent locks eyes with their their opponent all the way during the entrance and it just adds an intensity to things so i kind of wanted to play with that with this <clears throat> so my whole promo as i walk out and as i leave i never lose eye contact with sammy because the last time i took my eyes off of him he jumps you yeah so i want to make sure that simple psychology is in everything even down to just this little promo that's going to set up a match next next show I also like you build to a crescendo in a promo. Um, and for this one, before Sammy had grabbed the mic in my hand and cut the promo. So in this one, I grabbed the mic and I hold the mic still in Sammy's hand to cut the promo, looking him dead in the eye. It's
0: a great, great touch.
1: And it, you know, I do my little, you know, hokey, hey Austin, how you doing? But I never take my eyes off of Sammy.
0: It's intense. Yeah.
1: So it's this, there's like this jovial, Hey Austin, how you guys doing? You like the new building, but I'm staring him dead in the eye and I ask him, so you think you're the best ever? And Sammy, Sammy's awesome here. You goddamn right. I'm the best ever. Right. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, Oh yeah. You're better than everybody. I'm better than fucking everybody. Are you better than Raymond Roe? And it gets the gas pop, right? Where they yeah. go. Oh fuck. Yeah. <clears throat> And that's it. That's all there is to it. Um, And now we have this match. People will walk out of the building and go, holy fuck, I have to be back next month to see Sammy versus Raymond. And it's... um,
0: It's a sexy as hell match at that point in time in our company. That that feels like a dream match.
1: I hate when you have an authority figure. And they're like, okay, I'm going to fucking... To get to you, you're going to wrestle... Five guys at one time, right? No one wants to watch that shit, but you're going to fight the baddest. I'm going to put you in a situation where you have to fight the baddest guy on the fucking roster. You want to see that. It's not a chore to get through that, right? So that even if Sammy's getting his comeuppance because of the way that he's acted, it's through a match that's actually good. It's not through a match that's fucking a chore to watch, right? And it's two of the biggest it's not, names we have. It's the not side. incidental. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not that, okay, I'm going to stack the odds in your favor. It's still going to be one-on-one, but you're going to face the hardest one I can find. And the guy that's going to fucking be an animal. So, and here we go. We've again, this is where we're at our best. Cause we had multiple dates set up with this building. So we were able to, to promote to the next show. We've already set up that Jojo and, and cherry are going to wrestle, right? We've already set up, now that there's going to be a Raymond Roe versus uh, Sammy Guevara match, so as you leave, you're not you're not left going. Well, why do I come back? No, you like, fuck. I want to go see that, and I want to go see that, and um, that's where I really fucking love wrestling. That's my favorite part. No,
0: we we have. I think for the run that we had at Red Oak, which is actually only four shows, unbelievably. The work that we did on these shows creatively is really top tier, yeah. man. I'm really proud of it. There were some things that were going on with our roster that um, that were difficult and things we couldn't anticipate, of course. But I think the good shit is really good. Like yeah. it's it's the epitome of of good professional wrestling. Yeah,
1: we you know we roll with the punches where we need to, but yeah. Anyway, <sighs> let's get into this gimmick a little bit. Because at, at this point, people probably know the, these names now, right? Yeah, yeah. But at the time, they're two students. They've been around. They've been helping set up and all that stuff. But we have Alley Cat and Lainey Luck. And, I mean, Blancharaj was, was set to be something pretty big. Yeah. I mean, and the, the girls, for the, let's, I'll just say it, uh, spoiler alert, it's only going to last about two shows. But for the two shows... I felt like they were at least heading in the direction creatively that you had in mind.
0: Yeah. I, um, they had presence. They could do mic work and they, they were showing ability at that point in time. And I loved the idea of the blonde tourage, uh, very much in, in, in the vein of like a female Hollywood blondes kind of gimmick. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of stuff planned for this, but I believe Laney Luck yeah. wound up moving out of, yeah, we'll get, of state.
1: We'll get deep into that next we'll, yeah, podcast.
0: Yeah, but um, we had some ideas going forward that were supposed to kind of in, weave in Delilah and Angelus and, and really do some fun stuff. And uh, I felt like at this point, every time I tried to do anything with the women's division, I was kind of hit in the face with something that someone wasn't available or someone moved out of state or you know we're trying to keep we're trying to keep like fly-ins too uh fairly restricted. Yeah. There were times where we flew in people that we absolutely should not have flown in. Um but that was at a different point in time when we had Stroud kind of bending us over a barrel, you know? Yeah. Um but it, you know, well as as Biss said, we'll get into that another another day. But yeah, here we have L'Entourage, uh defeating Delilah Doom and Jessica James. If you have, if, if, if you have anything to say about this match? I know, I know, Jessica too. Yeah. Jessica too was actually starting to get. I felt maybe a little frustrated with me. Um, yeah. I, I was actually trying to move her in a direction where she was the X X D champion at this point in time. Still, yeah. it was becoming difficult to find just. Or continuing to fly in names. Yeah. Also, it wasn't really building talent locally. It wasn't building building anybody up from the female talent pool that we had. And so I kind of wanted to shift gears and do some stuff that was different creatively that helped the girls locally start to become noteworthy so that we could build up our division. Because at this point, we still had no division. It was just Jessica beating this name and this name and this yeah. name, which did good to reestablish the title, and it did good to help Jessica be more prominent. But
1: it... it w- we're at the end of that, right? Yeah. So let let's peel back the onion a little bit here. So at this point, Jessica's basically all that's left from the past generation. Rachel's retired. Barbie Hayden has moved to Florida, I think. At this point, I or so, some yeah. weird fucking thing. Um, Athena is now signed and away. Um, there's a lot of other cursory women that have just r- stopped wrestling at this point, <clears throat> and you have these. These women that will become the the face of kind of what's going on locally now are just starting to train or haven't even started to train at this point, right? Yeah. So there's a weird void in women's wrestlers. So um, one person who is out there at Booker T's at this point is Ivy Robin. Um, so this is the match um, where... Well, we're going to dig into a bunch of stuff here. I'm, I'm going to go on a little journey here, guys. Um, Ivory Robin is at the show, and she's actually at the finish of this match. She pulls Jessica out, attacks Jessica, <clears throat> um, and then that leads the two-on-one on Delilah so that we can get a win for Blancharaj and set up some stuff with Delilah.
0: And it of course, it sets up stuff with yep. Ivory and Jessica. Now,
1: now, the finish here is that... We are supposed to drag Jessica to the back so that she's not there for the finish after Ivory's attacked her. Now, the cue for this gets missed by me because I am pulled aside by another female wrestler asking me to be on the card, which I'll say it is Chrissy James. So, as I'm looking for this fucking cue, I get fucking distracted and I'm trying to deal with this, going, oh fuck, when's the cue? When's the cue? I walk up, hey. Have they done this? Oh, that happened forever ago. Ivy Rob. So I'm way out of position, right? So I run and I get there and the finish has already happened. So Jessica's obviously very frustrated because it was the one thing she said, if we do this, please make sure that you guys pull me out and it doesn't happen. So I think that led to some issues, um, at least on this show. This is also the show where Joel got fired at this point. We haven't had a chance to sit down and tell her exactly what happened. So she hasn't heard our side of the yeah, story. Yeah, she was
0: actually close with Joel, yeah. um, and we didn't fire him.
1: He walked off. He walked yeah, off. Yeah.
0: Let's not let's not act uh, like I'm running around, uh, <laughs> fucking you know, paper airplaning pink slips into people's buttholes <laughs> yeah. or anything. I'm not fucking doing that. So let's that's, not. That's let's true. Not, yeah, don't, that is true. <laughs> I'm not. This isn't the fucking apprentice, man. Yeah. you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to confuse that at all. No, but you know, um, so shitty situation right but also kind of tells you the state of where women's wrestling is at the time yeah so this is going to set up ivory robin for a future future title shot right um which you know the promos for that didn't go how like we kind of wanted them to go so like you know it was just it was just a mess um but yeah, at the end of this, we get a victory over Doom by Blancharaj. I think Lainey's the one that picks up the victory. Lainey's further along in the in-ring stuff. Um, Allie tries very hard. She's clearly working very hard at it. So there's hope that with that hard work, she's going to come along and catch up. But that's where we're at with Blancharaj and, and Doom and, we're just, and the women. We're
0: trying We're trying to invest in the women in a yeah. different way. Yeah. And, and push them in a different way here. And yeah, there's a little hiccup, but you know what? Fucking mistakes happen. Yeah, you know.
1: And and that's that's really we've reestablished the title. Now it's time to start reestablishing some challengers. Yeah, And that's basically what Absolutely. we're doing. Here.
0: And local challengers, because you want you don't want to have to you know.
1: And we can at this point. Yeah, we 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 cannot financially. Yeah.
0: Um. Okay, so the next the ne- the main event of this. Uh is a really special match because it really is the start of getting over something that I was really excited to to tackle. Um the one thing that makes Inspire Pro really unique is that our titles can basically be ranked and the ranking of the titles can be ter- can be determined by matches, okay? Um and this this match was set up at the previous card, where basically Davey and Tim are crowing that they've headlined more matches than than the champions. The, champion, the actual yeah. like Keith Lee is the Pure Prestige Champion, uh, Ricky Starks is the Inspire Pro Champion controversy are the twin dragon connection champions and they are very much of the mentality as characters that they are the top tier champions they are the main champions and i always thought it would be interesting if there was a storyline where say imagine the ultimate warrior went up against hulk hogan and warrior is the icy championship uh the icy champion hogan is the heavyweight champion and what if warrior had won that match but it didn't really mean that he took a belt away from anybody but rather it meant that he redefined the value of the title that he held i really wanted to do something in our company where we changed how people looked at belts and i wanted to make it so that we could actually determine the value of the title with ranking matches and this match and and in a, in a bigger way determined something that we probably didn't even really like like uh address but like controversy pretty much become the primary top champions and inspire pro by winning winning this match in a sense yeah um they are basically having this match for for dominance over 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 the other champions uh and i think it's an interesting concept it's a good story this match is really phenomenal uh keith and ricky have uh chemistry but i think that there's also there's some friction here behind the scenes
1: um, yeah. Um, yeah. There's definitely we're we're leaning we're building into something.
0: Yes, definitely. And
1: there, there's becoming the reality of what we're building to is becoming more and more apparent. I think to it's, Ricky Stark, it's
0: not only it's not only apparent, but um, I I mean to say that there is legitimately some friction between Keith and Ricky and Keith and a lot of other people. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't want to necessarily just call it jealousy. But you know Keith is on. He, Keith is a big blip on a lot of people's radars at this point. Yes, and people are starting to really use him. Uh, he's been doing the Beyond stuff at this point, I believe.
1: Uh, this is Ring of Honor. He's still with Ring of Honor at this point. Keith. Yeah. Okay. And he's he's about to he's about to jump ship to yeah. Beyond at yeah. this point. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, but we're in the, we're in the same <laughs> kind of general area. Yeah. But
1: that that's the era of this time. But yeah.
0: Keith, Keith is getting buzzed. Keith is also kind of a darling of a lot of other promotions in Texas. Yeah. Uh, there's always, it, it's funny. People bark at you about not doing what everybody else is doing, but they also bark at you because you're not doing what everybody else is doing. <laughs> yeah, And so um, I still like he, he, I mean, he's probably not going to want to cop to it because I really don't feel like he ever gave us uh, our due after a certain point. No. Um, Never, but I feel like we did a lot to help kind of put him yeah. on on the radar. We, you know, we kind of helped rebirth his his uh, his career. We did a lot of stuff that pushed him prominently. Yeah.
1: Um, so he, I mean, he was on spot. Let, let's just dive into it. He was on spot shows up until the point we did the battle royal where he came in through the door. You know. Yeah. And the new movement stuff, and you know, we firmly believe that that had a big point in his resurrection of a popularity, you know? Um, you know, I, I think his interpretation of it is that it wasn't until, you know, Ray got him on our ring of honor shows with Shane that he really became popular. But like, I mean, looking back at the history of it, you know, like um, it seems like in his mind, that that's not, what really got him to the point he was here, and you know, we we respectfully disagree. Like, I think we had a major impact on on getting him back in the, you know, in in the minds and faces of people that then took him to that next level.
0: Yeah, and the this storyline that we're about to embark on was highly controversial
1: yeah but yeah. the, the people pissed, in the back pissed yeah. a lot of people in the we, back off we found a way to piss basically everybody off which
0: i i didn't give a fuck about yeah. it. it was it's, a story that i'm not there to you know if you show up you play your part you, you get yeah. paid you go home if people are talking about the card really i'm i'm more concerned about selling tickets yeah. that's my job i bis Abyss always said I, i'm here to sell tickets yeah right
1: I, i'm the guy that's that's has to to keep the peace from the locker room right yeah so that, that's my job um, in a perfect world, the order might be different, but this is the world we're in, which you'll see over these next three shows of why these pieces had to fall in this order. Um, and we couldn't, you know, we'll get in that when we get there, but we couldn't have foreseen how certain things elevated quicker than we thought. So that's a little teaser. Keep tuning in. Yeah. Um, but here, yeah, there, and, and in the match kayfabe wise as well, there's miscommunication between. Starks and Keith, which is going to lead to a match. Here we go again, setting up a match for next month between uh, Ricky and Keith.
0: And this is really what what this is the the title ranking yep. match. This and is to determine whose belt. Not just you know, it's not just like about trading titles. It's about Keith Lee basically has this title, and there's really nothing to determine. where it it lays in the landscape of Inspire. When that belt came along, it was a renegade title. It was made legitimate by the company, but it was never discussed as to where it was in the scheme of the titles. Is it the top title? Is it the secondary title? And so in terms of our history, this becomes a very important thing to address. It's an important thing to talk about.
1: And, And I want to point out, too, we had planted seeds for this going back to when Showtime shows back up To start the feud with Keith. That promo was originally about Keith going like. Hey look. I have this title. And no one can really tell me if it's the top title or not. Yeah. And that gets kind of interrupted by Showtime. But that breadcrumb is there from that point. And we're talking about a year ago. Maybe more at this point.
0: But No definitely more. I mean that's a breadcrumb there. But going back to even before we had our first show. This was a, a concept that I came up with. Way before we even, yeah. you know, had had our first show. Yeah. It was a story that I wanted to tell. Just kind of like how when we did our tag stuff, I really wanted to have the, the tag belts function in a certain way. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that we're seeing, I'm sitting there kind of like rubbing my hands to it together yeah. going, Oh my God, it's coming to fruition. And it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It, it's really, nothing is better than watching something unfold over the course of years. And you're finally at the precipice yep. of this moment. And you've been telling the story for fucking years. It's, it's incredible.
1: Yep. And, and here we are. Right. So, you know, um, Obviously, there's some friction back about some of this creative. I'm trying to navigate that. But we basically, and that's the point. I'm glad that you brought that up. That's the point that I wanted to make was that this wasn't just, okay, now we're in the red oak. Well, let's try this. This was ideas that you had from the very beginning that we were now being able to finally maneuver into being able to block.
0: From the very inception of Inspire (laughs) Pro, this was a story that, I helped start this company because I wanted to tell this specific story. Yeah. I, I also kind of have to say that at this time, um, a lot of times when I'm working with wrestlers, they can be difficult and that they aren't always certain what they want to do. Yeah. And at this point in time, there was a pull here. You know, I think in the long term of the storyline, Ricky... Wanted it to go a certain way. Yeah. But it, he was also really high on uh, this guy by the name of Aaron Solo. Yep. And Ricky was starting to venture out and do tag stuff with, with, with Solo. And he was really pushing to do tag stuff. Yeah. And inspire with Solo, which then becomes this issue with where, <laughs> well, where am I going then? Because you're, yeah. in this, you're doing this thing. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense to just shift and do this thing. Yeah. So, um that that was a that was a huge issue at that point too that we'll eventually get to. So anyway, the show ends. And there we are. <laughs> vacuuming the <laughs> carpet.
1: Like that that was sort of a benefit. Yeah. Kind of Adele, kinda not know? really. I mean, we still had to work,
0: <laughs> yeah, then we had, yeah, I mean, whatever, yeah, we did we did have to work still, yeah, um, but yeah, the bar the bar was a huge problem, yeah, and I believe we were left holding uh holding the bag on uh we didn't hit quite hit a number that they wanted us to hit at the bar, which meant that we owed a little bit more, yeah, and I was gravely upset about this, and I do know that they listened to me, but I said that. They basically set us up to fail by understaffing and not staffing with the best possible hands that they could get. Instead, we were saddled with, uh, you know, <laughs> the two old fuckers from the Muppets uh, yeah. who just couldn't get their <laughs> shit together. Um, but other than that, I thought I thought the space worked out great. Uh, and I don't know how long we we might have stayed here if we could have. Um,
1: Man, if if the If the bar had been serviced properly, right? Yeah. A lot of the financial issues, and they had kept us on the same deal that we had originally. Yeah. We probably would still be there today.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I I really
1: enjoyed the the space. Um, And, I mean, having that backstage area... Was huge. It, it made it, it took us to the next level. It's
0: one of the things that like a lot of fans. There were some fans who were dissatisfied with with the shift. So other fans really loved it. Yeah. People were kind of divided on the space. But the one thing that a lot of people, you know, you can't you you can't use that as a selling point to fans. But it really did <laughs> seem to make our talent happy. Yeah. I think I still think to this day, um, the the Marquesa or Austin Film Society said it was the least comfortable, but that was still the best home that that we've ever had. Uh just in terms of just the way it looks and the way it feels. Some spaces you can make magic in fairly fairly easily. Um I don't know if the shows at Red Oak Ballroom had that feel of magic yeah. that we accomplished at Marquesa and later AFS Cinema.
1: Yeah. There wasn't that same feeling in the air. Yeah. I mean the show this show in particular is tightly run and phenomenal and great you know the technical side of the wrestling is amazing
0: but the building <clears throat> doesn't have an atmosphere to yeah. it. it doesn't it lacks a certain uh mystical quality yeah. that some some spaces man just they feel right yeah. they feel haunted they've got a vibe <laughs> to them but this is this feels there's something a little cookie cutter about it and uh I haven't really felt compelled to look back on a lot of these shows. I don't like the way that the building looks. I don't like the lighting. I hated that we didn't have a way to really control the lighting. That was, it,
1: it was very bright. and Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's part of it. You see everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not just the ring. Um, now, these shows, uh, one thing to touch on, uh, we did attract a new audience, right? Yeah. And there was two groups. This was the first time that we started to get the group of Party World Wrestling uh, wrestlers to come to the show. Absolutely. So this would have been the first time that like, Dan the Man would have been in the crowd seeing the product, right? <clears throat> and the other group that became very important was this was actually the first time that Heel Face Wrestling came to an Inspire show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Heel Face was a huge part of... Redefining our media, uh, really boosting the quality of it. Uh, Jeff Serta, who'd go on to take the reins of Sabotage Wrestling, uh, he continues to be an important person in Texas, Texas wrestling. Um, this is really a fascinating point in time when you look at the cross section of people here. You had Alan Lexi from Wrestle Circus in mm-hmm. our crowd. You had heel face there really uh we were we were going to become friends later but they're really kind of like catching on and 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 kind of feeling the vibe i think at this point yeah and then we have the party world people who are kind of outsiders in the world of wrestling doing something very different but still tapping into uh a love for pro wrestling i think it's i'm not really comfortable with saying like what what wrestling should be or is i think and i i don't think anybody should i think Wrestling is different things to different people, but the just the different people in that building in that space at that time who were all in the same space, not wielding knives at each other or talking <laughs> shit is really really important i i i i was really uh I was really pleased with that, and still Darren childs is nowhere to be found no no,
1: no. it's um i mean someone i think
0: we were still wait- we were still trying at this point, I think you even invited him.
1: To this show. It's yeah. This is it around that time Didn't period. Didn't you
0: have a sit down?
1: Yeah, we, we can get into that. Yeah. I did.
0: Yeah, let's talk I about did. that. So
1: I, um, to try to kind of bury the hatchet, I reached out to him and Donnie Davis, who <clears throat> was who uh, kind of took my spot when I left. Um, we Donnie had,
0: the ref, that mo- as most people yeah. remember him prominently as.
1: And we met at uh, a local bar and talked into long hours of the night about just it was the first time we had sat down and talked about exactly what happened when I left. Um, and the the whole point of that was to try to like, you know, start a, a conversation that would lead to us working together. And, uh, I felt like good inroads were met, but I also felt like there was a lot of resistance and there was a lot of delusion to what his side of things and his, uh, his role in things really were. Um, even at that point, he did not really accept responsibility for instigating a lot of the problems that, that were going on. Um, although there's, there's there, physical mean, record of it online yeah. of him lobbing these shots at us. And uh, his interpretation was that, you know, it was, was a sweet, jerk. innocent, was daring, a you know,
0: I was really a, f- a focal yeah. point of him being, he seemed to really forgive you. He had forgiven you for things, yeah. I feel like. Because he would also sit down with you. Yeah. And I think what I was, I I actually get angry here. Um, you go off and you meet with him. And I think the plan is that you're supposed to go and you're supposed to have a sit down meal with him where you break bread, bury the hatchet, get past stuff, feel out, the potential for maybe doing something kind of interesting yeah. where in the back of my head, I wanted to push Darren out there and uh, do some really high profile matches and, you know, just, just have a meeting and have, have the ability to actually work together possibly. Yeah. Uh, I think in the back of my head, I had sugar plums in the idea of ACW and uh, inspire doing, co-op shows at Fun 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 Fest instead yeah. of us being in our respective corners and pouting while the <laughs> other were running, you know, yeah. at their respective uh, uh, time time table or whatever. Uh, but you were supposed to go have your meal, talk, make some inlays, and then there was supposed to be an, an occasion where I yeah. would join
1: you. It was supposed to set up a follow-up a meeting. A follow-up meeting,
0: yeah. and and that was supposed to be the situation. Yeah, And I believe I don't know how many letters of apology I've written that guy. <laughs> yeah. I have. I've written. Oh, I've him. seen them. I've written numerous apologies to the guy, but I think this is also the point in time where I realize it's just never gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, I and I and I think he even marked his terms to us.
1: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't remember that being part of this dinner, but I Not know the that dinner.
0: But it comes about after the dinner. Yeah,
1: he would. He would send Palmer dumb shit.
0: Yeah. He, yeah, because like yeah. Palmer wanted to kind of see it happen because Palmer yeah. still had, you know, I mean, ACW was where he really felt like he came into his own, so yeah. he felt like a debt of gratitude toward them, and you know, of course, Albert really for him, you know, ACW was still his home. Yeah. Uh, I felt like basically burying a lot of the beef between us would have healed a lot of relationships yeah. that we had between. You know all the all, just all the bad shit that was happening yeah. in the air, yeah. but uh, I, this is where I knew though that shit wasn't ever going to happen. Like he basically wrote me back and said he had no interest in meeting me, even though that was something you had discussed. Yes, he said he had no interest in meeting me and he had no interest in really doing business. And I think he in an email he quoted me. He said, "I want six hundred bucks and complete creative control." Yeah. And at that point, I was, like, I wanted to be, like... I don't think I even responded, but, I yeah. like, in my head, I'm just, like, man, who the fuck do you think you are?
1: Yeah. Like, well, And that's that was the whole point of, of quoting you that. Yeah. Because...
0: <laughs> but still, it's, yeah. like, you know, first of all, it's not doable financially. Yeah. It's not worth it. And second of all, like, I felt like it... He just really thought I was the devil. Yeah. Like, he thought I was going to bring him there to basically... Bury him or something, but that was really not the case. Yeah. It it doesn't it doesn't make sense to have two separate properties where when you kind of like come together and and do some like crises on Infinity Earth type shit. Man, yeah. you could make money doing that, and people would get excited, no. and you'd bring new eyes and to your product. He's
1: literally walking in the other direction, and I mean, yeah. Um, I will state, and it's funny because I mean, I was there, so. Palmer was on a show and basically forgotten. Rufus was the one that in a creative meeting went, Hey, why don't we bring that Palmer guy back? He was really good. So like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then ACH and I can't do this cause it's like, fu- I mean, it's like fighting over your fucking kids. Right. But like, do you guys have any idea how many times I was in the room sticking up for ACH in the anarchy room when he was the annoying little kid that talked too much? And how many times I had to to go, no, he's really talented. How many times I had to go to bat to get him the first shot that he didn't show up to. And then the second shot. And how many, you know, how many times it was, well, Albert's immature. You need to keep him away from the group. And I went and hung out with Albert (laughs) and Jeff so that, you know, the adults wouldn't be bothered by him. Like, and then, you know. Hey to, man. To then go. Hey man, he was oh, just trying man. to swing, man, you know? Yeah, that's basically what was going on.
0: <laughs> anyway, um yeah, that was that 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 was that yeah. was really depressing.
1: So so yeah, that's that's around this time period too, but but the scene is is healing and it's it's coming together and we're we're learning to run wrestling without fucking shitting on everybody. Because right.
0: You don't have to, like, yeah. and really, it's like I, I didn't want to fight, I just wanted yeah. to, and I think you can see that too. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many times I have to apologize to someone for things that I wasn't even entirely responsible for, yeah, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, here we are <laughs> at Red Oak Ballroom, our second home. I don't, I don't, I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna be frank when I say this. I wasn't feeling it yeah, we from the this. first show. I wasn't feeling it from the first show i I could acknowledge that the that i was I was privileged to continue to do these storylines, yeah, and I think that the creative work is really good. But just in terms of, of the vibe in terms of the atmosphere I didn't feel it.
1: It, it was just a little bit different, right? It
0: was too different. It yeah. just there was just there was nothing there was nothing real like that just the, there was no atmosphere. Yeah. And I think that was largely largely just the building. The venue is really really fucking important. Yeah. Uh, there was one thing though that I also do have to say that's interesting. Um, I I think at one point what brought us to Red Oak Ballroom was the people at Austin Film Society were talking to me about coming back uh, in the future once everything had been renovated. And I was talking to the AFS point person, the rental person, and she she pitched me something that was absurd. It was yeah. something like, uh, it was like $3,000 and... and uh, some some back end deal yeah from the bar and um and I said I think that's that's I, I asked her like well does it include this or this or this or this and she said no it doesn't yeah. include any of that you know and I said so this is three thousand no frills just the room and you know Yeah and um the person in question that I was dealing with was I will just go ahead and say it really extremely shitty to me. Uh there was just that the 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 weird blue hair uh, snobbery of Austin film society really came out. And I knew that they really kind of looked down on what we were doing, but just the entire attitude we had that, that, that I encountered was, uh, well, you know, see if you can find a better room than that. And I was really insulted too, <laughs> because this person was the wife of someone who I consider to be one of my best friends. And also at that point in time, I'm doing fucking shows all over Austin and had been for well over a decade at that point. So to tell me, like, well, if you think you can do better in finding a rate that's lower than this, be our guest. And then kind of laughing in my face, well, guess what? We fucking did. Yeah. So that there you go. It's it's like people can talk about how important and, and valuable their real estate here is, but it's really the people that you let come into your space that make it valuable. We worked very hard when we were at Marquesa to make sure that people knew where that spot was and we did it equally with this space and we've done it with every other space that we've been in. We've tried to make that place valuable as an asset. So I just I guess that's kinda what I'm gonna end on, but um you know, didn't dig the space, yeah. didn't really, I don't know, to me, this, even though like a lot of the storylines are fucking awesome and you're seeing payoffs that you're still, uh, I just felt a weird darkness here that would go on even beyond. Yeah. Less leaving the space.
1: And up next is Fade to Black 2.
0: Yes, this is a, uh, this next one's gonna be a doozy. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we'll see you next week when I attempt to redeem what occurred at the last Fade to Black. The curse will be lifted, hallelujah. We'll see you next week.